Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. So I want to take you back a little bit right before the crucifixion and uh, where Peter declared those words. But before we go there, um, how many have ever seen, how many car collectors do we have here? People that are car enthusiasts. Raise your hand if you're a car enthusiasts. You like cars. You appreciate older cars, possibly. Like myself, I, I love older cars. And so when I see, you know, um, a 55 Chevy, you know, when I see a 56 Cadillac convertible, you know, a Corvette, 56 Corvette, uh, 55, 56 Thunderbird with the porthole window. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And you know, these are classic cars, and when we see them, typically nowadays, they're restored, and they're beautiful. And when I see a 69 Mustang, which was one of my first cars as a young uh, boy, I was just a teenager, uh, snot-headed, snot-nosed teenager, but one of my first cars was a 69 Mustang with a 351 V8, and it was a powerful car, and I love that car. And so when I see a, a car like that that's restored, it's beautiful. But what breaks my heart is when I see that same car sitting in somebody's back 40, all rusting and falling apart, when you know the value or you appreciate what that car could be. Amen? And, and so in the same token, there's people like you and I, people that have been transformed, been restored... All of you say the word, say the word with me, restored. God has restored you here today. If you call yourself a believer, he's restored you. He's taken you from that back 40, all rusted, fallen apart, with no hope, no promise. And he's restored every one of you into a child of God. And now you have promise. Now you have a hope for your future. Amen? Amen. And, and so... This morning, I want to talk to you about why God allows men, people, to fall. Because here's the thing. He does allow certain things to occur in your life. But how many know He's not content to leave you there? If, if you fall, He's not going to leave you there. He wants to restore you back to a better place, to a greater place than you were at before. How many remember the story... Of Moses. Moses was a great, one of the greatest people mentioned in the Bible. Well, he was also someone that murdered an Egyptian. He killed somebody. Yet he was one of the greatest people in the Bible that God used. How many remember the story of David? How he tried to cover up his adultery. He committed adultery. He's a married... He's, he's not married. At the, actually, he was married... He, he, he commits adultery with this woman that he sees bathing on the rooftop. And here the thing with David was, he should have been in battle. He should have been somewhere else. But because he spiritually got lazy, he stayed home. And now the devil's knocking on his door, tempting him. And here he sees Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop of her house. And so then... He calls her because he has the power. He's the king. Sometimes it's good to be the king. And other times it's not so good to be the king. And in this case, he calls her and he sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. And now he wants to try to cover it up. 
because he's King David. And this would be terrible for, for everybody to find out. So he sends for, asks for her husband, Uriah. And anyways, the bottom line, he sends him out to the front lines and he gets killed. And now it's covered up. Nobody's ever going to know. But the Bible does bring out that sin later. There's a prophet that, that brings that out and said, David, you were guilty of that uh, crime, basically. And, and so David tried to cover up his sin. These are great men of God, and they all fell. And my point in telling you that is that it's not okay for us to fall. That's not the point. The point is that if we do fall, God doesn't want to leave us there. He doesn't want you to just say, well, I give up. I guess, I guess there's no hope. There's no future. I guess the world's just going to beat me up, kick sand on me, and just leave me here. No, God cares for you and loves you so much. He's saying, come on, I got better plans for you. Let me work on you. Let me restore you. Let me take those dents out. Let me take that rust off. And let me restore you to something better than ever before. Amen? I want you to get your Bibles, if you have your Bibles or electronic devices this morning, and turn to the book of Luke in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 22. Chapter 22. And if you'll stand with me this morning, if you can, we're going to read from God's Word this morning in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 33. And this is where, let me just set this up real quick. Jesus had just been having he, he was having Passover with the with the disciples and just moments before the uh, the disciples were arguing about who the greatest in the kingdom was who the greatest of the 12 were because see they walked with Jesus for three years and Peter and John and and they're they're arguing well no I did more than you I you know I I did more miracles walking with Jesus well yeah but I fasted more and they're arguing and they're saying Jesus who who will have Who's the greatest of all of us here? And Jesus rebukes them. And so you see there's, there's a lack of humility. There's pride going on, right? So this is just so that you can understand a little bit about what's going on here. So in Luke chapter 22, verses 21 through, or excuse me, 31, sorry, verse 31 through 33 says this. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And I'll read verse 34 as well. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Amen. Let's our heads and pray this morning. Father, we come before you this morning and Lord, I pray God, give us an understanding of what restoration means in your word, of how Lord, we may fail you. Maybe we're failing you right now. And Lord, maybe some of us have seen that restoration, deep restoration in our lives. And I pray, Father, that God, you would give us a heart of understanding this morning. I pray, Lord, each person here would open their hearts and their spirits to receive your word this morning. And we pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am restored. Amen. You may be seated this morning. 
How many are glad to be restored? That you're not the same person you used to be? Um, Because for many of us here, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning because the past life, that hangover was just too great. Right? Okay, I won't even go there. It got a little quiet. Wow. (laughs) But you know, we're, we're a new creation in Christ. We're a new creation in Christ. And here the the story is, but for the grace of God, there go I. There goes you and I. But for the grace of God. Ever found yourself looking and and maybe reading a headline in the newspaper and saying, man, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Um, there's, There's many things that happen to us on a daily basis. And then we just thank God for them. We, we hear of stories of people dying, unfortunate accidents, victims to crime. Um, I just read the story this past week, close to where I live on Ascot Parkway. There was this woman, a Filipino woman, probably in her late 60s, walking. She had just left the Social Security office down by Costco. How many saw this story on the news? And she's walking home. She had her handbag, but on her way home, a young man hit her in the face, beat her up, stole her purse. I mean, there, but for the grace of God, go you and I sometimes, walking down the street, and people want to take advantage of us. Amen? And poor lady, she's recovering. And, uh, but again, there's many things like that that happen in this world that you can often ponder and say, man, there, but for the grace of God, go I. And so here, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why does God allow these things to happen? Why does God allow these things to happen to good people, to good men? In this case, talking about Peter, here he had walked with Christ for three years, did great things, yet God allowed him, and he knew that he would deny him three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. He would say, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I have no idea who you're talking about. He denied him three times. Think about that. Are you here today that would tell me, oh, I would never do that, Pastor Rick. I would never say that I don't believe in God, that uh, I don't put my faith in God. Are you one of those people that are so confident that that could never happen to you? Well, be careful, because if it happened to Peter, it can happen to you and I. Amen. Here... What I want to talk to you about this morning is that God allows good men and women to fall into sin so that the rest of us will learn not to make the same mistakes. We know that to be true. We know that that's why I use illustrations like that. You can read these things in the, in, in the news or stories in the Bible and say, yeah, I'd never do that. If the Lord wants me to repent, I'm going to repent. Or if the Lord wants me to tell these others to repent, like Jonah... Jonah didn't want to follow through on what God had asked him to do. And, and for three days, he was stuck, the Bible says, in the belly of a, of a fish. And for three days, he said, no, I'm not going to go preach to those people because he didn't like them. He was prejudiced toward those people. He said, no, they're not my kind of people. I'm not going to go preach the good news. And for three days, the Lord finally kept them in there until he repented. And he said, Lord, forgive me. I'll do what you ask me. And then the, the Bible says the fish spit them out. Right. And for three days, he was in the belly of a fish. I mean, I've caught fish, and they don't smell good. I can't imagine being in the belly of a fish. 
All right, and he was in there for three days enduring that mess. How many of us today are enduring a mess that we don't have to be in? A stinky mess that we don't have to be in. And so here Peter, he's attacked. He's really attacked. And I want to take a look at the story of how he, Peter, denied the Lord three times. Again, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, see, that's the great news. See, the Lord Jesus, he knew what Simon was going to do. He already knew Thomas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter would sell him out as well. Because there were no disciples there when Jesus was being beaten. They had all run and fled. They said, oh man, I don't want to be caught up in any of that. I don't want to get beat up. They saw what they had done to him and, and they fled. And so here these words must have seemed very strange to Peter. Why is that? Because he was a man of, of boldness. Peter was the guy that spoke and then he thought. Anybody here like that? Anybody know somebody like that? That they speak and then they think later? Right? We all know people like that. Peter was that guy. Peter blurted out. He's the one that got the Romans guard with his sword. Remember in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was, was praying and the soldiers come to arrest them. He's the one that just reacted. And, and, and Jesus rebuked them and said, put that sword away. And so here he was saying, oh Lord, I will die. I, I'll go to prison for you. That was Peter's strength. He would just speak what he felt at that moment. But little did he realize that Satan was going to attack him in what Peter thought was his strength. Peter thought that was his strength. Have you ever, have you ever said something to yourself like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I could never imagine doing that. Be careful. Watch out. Amen? <clears throat> you see, what hurt Peter at that moment was he knew those were from Jesus. Those were words of failure. And Peter was... There's no way I would ever fail the Lord. There's no way. Just moments before, they were talking about who the greatest of the disciples were. Peter's thinking he's the greatest. And now Jesus is telling him, you're going to deny me three times? You can imagine what that's doing to Peter's spirit. He's, he's taken aback. He's going, wait, you're telling me I'm going to deny you not once, not twice, but three times? Peter didn't understand the spiritual attack he was going to be facing. And it's important to know for you and I that we need to understand when we are under spiritual attack. But here for a second, I want you to ponder these words that Jesus spoke. But when you have turned back. See, that's the important uh, uh, defining words there. See, Peter was, was saved, but the Lord was saving him and going to restore him for the purpose he had initially created him to, to fulfill. See, Peter never would have been the disciple he ultimately became unless he fell. And unless the Lord picked him back up. And unless Peter recognized what and where he was at physically, spiritually. Ever been there? Ever had the, the Lord just pick you up from a place that you never thought you'd find yourself in? All of us have at different times. Amen? And I want to talk to you this morning about four, 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 four principles found in the Word of God that will help us realize that we are in a battle and what we must do. So number one, 
No believer is beyond the possibility of real moral failure. No believer. I don't care who you are, Pastor Rick or whoever, no believer is beyond the point of failing God. If it could happen to Peter, it could happen to you and I. Everybody say amen. amen. I didn't hear you. Everybody say amen. amen. Be- because you've got to take it seriously. There is a devil that is out seeking to kill and destroy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. And ultimately, that's his goal. And you need to, first of all, realize that. So here's the thing. Jesus, when he was speaking to Peter, notice what he said in verse 31. He said, Simon, Simon, that's the other name for Peter. He said, Satan has asked to sift you as we. You see, Satan can't touch you without God's permission. Remember the story of Job? It's the same situation. The Bible says that Satan was going up and down. And and, and then he finally came up to the Lord and said, "I, I bet I can get that servant of yours to, to, to walk out on you, basically, to, to curse your name. And, and the Lord said, okay, I give you permission, but you cannot take his life. And you know the story of Job. You know what occurred in his life, how he suffered through so many tribulations, but yet he never, ever cursed God. Amen? He never cursed God. So, so you do not have to worry that Satan can jump in and, and control you, because he can't. If you have the Spirit of God living in you as a believer, you are hands off to Satan. Satan cannot touch you. But here's the great news. Now the Lord can give him permission, but that's because he thinks highly of you. He knows you have more strength, more faith than what you believe in at that moment. And and that's exactly what was going on in Peter's life. See, Peter went on to write this scripture later in the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says the following, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I know that um, my, my late mother-in-law used to quote that Bible verse all the time. She would say it all the time. He's going around, prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, is how the King James says it. We are fools today if we do not take that advice wisely. We need to pray a spiritual hedge of protection over our families, over our children, our unborn children, our grandchildren that are to come. I mean, you name it, you need to pray a spiritual hedge of protection over them. You know, I know maybe some of you remember this story. Back in the late 80s, there was a huge, huge um, past, um, how should I say, evangelical uh, debacle, nightmare. There was some evangelists, well-known evangelists and pastors at that time that were caught in moral failure. How many know what I'm talking about? This was big, big time news back then. In fact, it made it on CNN and made it on all these crazy uh, channels because the world loves to pick and poke at, at failure. They love to beat people up when they're down. How many know that? And, and it wasn't the Lord's plan to leave them there. Since then, uh, these people have been restored. But there was, a, there was a guy on TV that would come on every Sunday, every Friday. He was broadcasting the nations. And he fell. He had a moral failure with a prostitute. This was a wi- widely known pastor, evangelist. And he had a moral failure with a, past, with a uh, prostitute. 
Ruined his ministry. Ruined it. Completely ruined it. And it was his fault, of course. And of course, he, he slowly came back, but never been the same. That ministry has never, ever been the same. And the, the devil is out to destroy you and I. I know of another pastor. Um, in fact, he was my pastor for a short period of time years ago. He had a large and successful ministry, but he began to dip into the funds of the church, churches that he managed. And that's a slippery slope that you could never, ever recover from. There has to be accountability. There has to be accountability. Well, he got to a point where there was no way out in his mind financially. He was in debt. Uh, there, were, there were things that were going on that were about to be exposed about him financially. He didn't see any alternative. So what did he do? He put a gun to his head and killed himself. This was many years ago. I know of another pastor... And, and now hear me, I'm talking about pastors. Here's another pastor. We, Anna and I had met, we had seen him on TV, and we went to this crusade, and we're having a conversation with him afterwards. And great pastor, he could preach the word, he could sing, all this and that. And then I find out he had an affair with another man. Broke that family's relationship, broke his family up. I mean, the damage he caused, his church churches disintegrated and, and a lot of that's because people follow man rather than the Lord but at the same time my point is be careful watch out because the, the Lord has your back but you got to be careful of what the Satan is trying to do to you amen, amen. These, these pastors these people that I'm talking about they allowed pride to get in the way they allowed self confidence to get in the way that that would never happen to me that would never happen to me I say these things simply that, to point out that sin comes at us in different ways. That we should not take anything for granted. I know you've said this just like I have, or maybe thought it, oh, I would never do that. Whatever that is, be careful. Watch out. Because that's your strength. That may, you may say today, well, that's what I feel strong in. I would never violate that. That's my conscience. conscience. I would never violate that. Well, be careful. Amen? Because we all know stories of people that have done exactly those things. Point number two this morning. Satan often attacks us at the point of our strength, not at the point of our weakness, which is what I was alluding to right now. Mark chapter 14 and verse 29 says the following. Even if I fall away, I will not. That was Peter who said those words. Basically what he's saying is, yeah, you think I'll fall away, but I will not. I, I won't. I can't. And he was saying those words because he, he thought he was so um, it. He, he was confident that he had everything. But he failed to realize that he still needed to fully trust in God. He wasn't totally relying in God. See, Peter had all these strong points. No doubt he was a leader. No doubt he had done great and mighty things. He would have said to Jesus right away, yeah, Jesus, I got your back. Don't worry, I got your back. I'll never deny you three times. That's what he was really telling the Lord. Ever have anybody tell you that? I got your back. And all of a sudden, when it comes down to showtime, you're going, where'd they go? I thought they had my back. Right? We've all had that happen. People don't show up. People say a lot of things, don't they? People like to say things. Peter was no different. 
Peter was no different. Jesus knows, I got your back. But Satan attacked him at his strong points. Satan will attack you at your strong point. Yes, you may have weak points today, and, and all of us, if I asked you each, what's your, what, what would you consider your weak point? You pretty much should know what that would be. Um, and I'm talking spiritually here. I'm talking spiritually. Peter failed at the very point where he promised to be eternally faithful. See, he didn't, in his mind, he had no doubt that he would be faithful to Jesus. He had no doubt that there's no way I can deny Jesus three times. Not even once, but three times, there's no way. That's not happening. And, and so he was, he was bold when he declared that. He was confident that that would never happen. Are you that same way today? Are you so confident that you could say, Pastor Rick, I would never allow that to happen in my life or my marriage. Watch out. Watch out. So again, if you have a weakness, that's the very area that you're going to guard most carefully for most of us. That's the very area you're going to try to protect. That's the very area that you know that you can't allow a door to be open. You've got to keep that door shut. You've got to keep that, that faith intact. But not necessarily with your strengths. You may think, well, I've got this. I, I, you know, I, I read my word. I go to church. I pray. I'm, I'm, I'm strong in this one area. Be careful. Watch out. See, if it happened to Peter, it can happen to you. You may say today, Pastor Rick, I can handle that. I can handle when that happens in my life. I have other problems, but that area is not really a temptation because that's my strength. Be careful. Watch out today. Amen? When a person takes any part of their life for granted, they're standing on unstable ground. I just want to tell you that right now. That's the area that Satan is most likely to attack, where you think you're the strongest sometimes. Where you think, because he's looking for that little chink in the armor, that little spot, that little weakness. And it could be in your strength. It could be in your strength today. And as I'm telling you this, I want you to think about what that strength may be in your life. Where are you and where do you feel confident that, Lord, I, I, I've learned in my life, I would never do this. Be careful. Watch out. Amen? If it happened to Peter, it can happen to you sooner or later. Look at your neighbor and tell him, watch your back. <laughs> watch your back. Watch your back. Amen. Point number three this morning. God allows us to fail in order to strip away our excessive self-confidence. Now, let me explain that. It's great to have confidence how many want your children to have confidence, to have self-esteem? Those are great things, and we need to have those. In fact, I would say that it's hard to operate in this life to be successful without confidence, without uh, great self-esteem about yourself. But I'm not talking about just that. I'm talking about a confidence that, that brings pride into it. Yeah, I'm so good at my job that, you know, everybody, everybody goes to me because they know I'm the best at work. You know, that's, that's over the top. I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And that's where Peter was at. That's why he was sitting there arguing and asking Jesus, or, or the, amongst the disciples, excuse me, who the greatest in the kingdom was. They were arguing amongst themselves because they had allowed that spirit to infiltrate their spirit. 
And so God wants to strip away that, that very spirit because it smells, it stinks before him. How many know that? It does, it does nothing for you as a believer to have a spirit like that. In fact, Peter would never brag himself about like that or brag on himself like he did that night ever again. Never again in scripture does he ever speak like that again. He learned in humility, through humility, what it takes to live a life as a believer. In fact, never again would he presume to be better than his brothers. Remember, he kept, I, I keep going back to that spot where they were arguing amongst themselves who was greater in the kingdom. Never again would he do that. He learned his lesson. Never again would he be so cocky and confident. Never again. There was this word humbleness now in his life. Being humble. Now, now there is truth to that there is something attractive about somebody that's assured, somebody that's that's bold, somebody that is almost to the point of cockiness. There's a part of that, that that is attractive to certain people, but then there's that line where it goes above and beyond and it stinks. It stinks before God. Amen. It's a fine line. And, and when you find yourself getting close to that, you got to realize, Lord, and ask Him, Lord, forgive me of that. Forgive me of that pride. Forgive me of that spirit. Humble me again. And this is where Peter now found himself. He was living in an area of humbleness. That part of him was now forever stripped away. Can you imagine the rest of Peter's life? (coughs) Excuse me. Every time he would think back to those three times where he denied Jesus Christ. He remembered that. Every time he was having a moment of victory, maybe a low moment. He would remember back. He would reflect back and remember denying the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. That stayed with him forever. Those are scars that they don't go away. How many of you have scars? You have scars? We all do. We all have scars. And you need to go back and remember how you got those scars, what it made you to become like now. Amen? And so Peter here, is stripped away of all that self-confidence, that cockiness, that self-assuredness. And it's a good thing that the Lord allowed that to happen to him because by falling flat on our faces, what we're really, what, what's really happening is we're allowing God to fulfill that purpose in our life. Until you fall flat on your face, until you get to that point and hit rock bottom and have nowhere to look but up, it's not going to change. It's going to continue to be the same. You have to get to a place where you hit rock bottom. Where finally you say, Lord, I need something different. I need a change. And the Lord is just going to pick you right up. He's going to say, I'm here for you. I got your back. He's going to tell you, I got your back. Amen. Amen? There's nothing better than that, than for him to have your back. The quicker we learn that, the sooner we can get on with the very purpose he has for our life. You see, Jesus walked with Peter for three years, yet in that time, really, Peter wasn't yet fulfilling his purpose. It wasn't until after he denied Jesus those three times that Peter finally began to understand his purpose. Because remember, what, are, what were the words that Jesus said? He goes, when you return, when you get restored, 
I need you to strengthen your brothers. He told them. See, Jesus already knew the beginning from the end. He knew that Peter was going to fulfill and do great and mighty things. Each of you here today are going to do great and mighty things in your circle of influence. Every single one of you. You need to trust in that and you need to continue to trust in the Lord. Amen? Now, failure can seem to, to, to never be a good thing. You can, you can look at yourself and say, well, failure is not good, Pastor Rube. Failure is not good, but, but it can be in cases like this. Sometimes you need to fail so that you can inwardly internalize and see the bigger picture. Sometimes we live with blinders on, and all we see is this little box. Oh, I failed. I messed up. I'm no good. Nobody's ever going to view me the same again. Nobody's going to believe I can do this. But God... But God, everybody say, but God steps in and he picks you up and he says, let me restore you again. Let me take those dents out. Let me take that rust out that 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 lack of anybody paying attention to you for the last 40 years. Let me restore you to a better condition than before. Amen. And that's what the Lord begins to do. He begins to do that. And one one of the things that we learn about this is that Peter again would never stand up and boast about his great courage he wasn't going to be out there going as for me Lord I'll go to prison for you I'll die for you at that time that he uttered those words no he wasn't ready to do that little did he know though that he would fulfill that very thing that he said so be careful what you say you may bring prophecy to happen to come to pass amen Peter did suffer. He was imprisoned and he was martyred for the sake of Christ, as we know. In fact, Peter was, how many know Peter was crucified on a cross upside down? And then our, finally our last point here. Point number four. God can redeem your mistakes if you will let him. God can redeem your mistakes if you will let him. I want to share with you two things that Jesus did for Peter, that he'll do for you. Okay, number one, he never criticized him. Never criticized him. Never criticized him. And number two, he never gave up on him. He never gave up on him. You see, the world will criticize you. Your friends, the ones that got your back, they'll criticize you. In fact, they'll give up on you. They'll leave you. You'll never see them again. But they really weren't your friends to begin with, were they? Because right. true friends never give up on you. And they don't give up on your back. They, they got your back. So Jesus, he knew about Peter's denial long before it happened. He knew the beginning from the end. And, and Peter is, is struggling through this. But again, the great words that Jesus said were, When you have turned back. You see, God sees the beginning from the end. And he sees not the broken person, not the person that needs restoration. He, need, he sees the person that is now restored. See, when he looks at you, he doesn't see the person that, that is imperfect. You and I, he doesn't see us as imperfect. He sees the person that is now restored. He sees the person lifting his hands or her hands and, and, and just worshiping the Lord. He sees that person that's a blessing to other people. That's who he sees. Did you know that this morning? That's who he sees. Because he loves you. Amen? 
Jesus said, strengthen your brothers. But it couldn't have happened unless he fell and God restored him. It could not have happened unless Peter had fallen and denied the Lord three times. You know, I said that two things. God will never, he never criticized him and he never gave up on him. You know, but here's what he did say. He did tell him later, the risen Christ did come up to Peter and say, Peter, feed my sheep. How many times did he tell him? He told him three times. Yes. And, and you got to know that the three times Peter was remembering. He's remembering, oh man, I messed up three times. I denied the Lord three times. So Jesus didn't throw it in his face, but he was kind of, you know. And, in, and internally, I'm sure Peter was, oh man, I blew it. I blew it. But the Lord is telling me, he's, he's telling me what my job is. Feed my sheep. Strengthen them. Strengthen them. And you know from that moment on, Peter had no doubt that he was going to rely on Christ from that point on. Oh, Lord, help us this morning, Father, to understand that. Thank you, Jesus, that we would be a blessing to others. Thank you, Jesus. It had to happen that way or else Peter would never be fully effective for Christ. So when things are happening to you, when you may find yourself at a place where you've fallen, you may be saying to yourself, well, how could God ever use me? I'm worthless in his kingdom. No, you're not. God restores people. God is in the restoration business. Amen? Aren't you excited? Aren't you glad that He can restore the most broken life? He can take broken parts and make them whole again. Amen? Amen? Did you know that when you... It's been said that when you break a bone, it often becomes stronger after it heals. That you can break a bone and during that healing process... It can become stronger because of callousing that occurs. It can become stronger in that process. Same thing with restoration. When we get restored, we can become much stronger than we were before. And that's exactly what was going on here with Peter. See, it's an important principle because it's the same thing is true of our failures. When we are broken, but yet we get restored we become much stronger. We come out of it in a stronger fashion. Amen? God can touch our broken places, our spirits that are crushed. We've been rejected, and He can bring healing to that and make you a stronger person. Amen? By God's grace, we can rise from broken places to places of healing. And all because of what He, what he has for you, the plan and purpose He has for your life. You see, He doesn't want to leave you broken. He doesn't want to leave you in despair. But He wants you to come to that full position in your life of filling your purpose for your life. And that's what He had in mind for for Peter. Here's what Peter did. You see, Peter did much more for Jesus Christ after his failure. And this is what he lost. I just want to give you some of the things that he lost in his failure. Number one, he lost his vanity. He lost his pride. His self-confidence, confidence just in himself, his rash impulsiveness, his unreliability. But listen to what he gained after the restoration. Humility, new confidence in God, tested courage, new determination to serve Jesus Christ. And then finally, a willingness to use his experience to help others. See, God's not letting you experience the things that you experience 
just so that you can experience them. He's allowing you to go through things to help others, to encourage others, and also to show you the plan and purpose he has for your life. See, the things that Peter lost, he didn't really need. But the things he gained, they were requirements for the job he was going to fulfill. They couldn't have come any other way than to face hardship and brokenness. He was broken. If you've ever seen not just that video, but that whole Son of God, or watched the movie about, about Peter denying Christ, Peter was broken. He was a broken man. This is a man I'm talking about that he walked side by side with, with uh, Jesus. He saw Jesus walking on water. Jesus asked him, come on, Peter, you can do the same. They were that close. They were tight. They were with each other everywhere they went. This is the man that was broken now. Yet Jesus restored him. So what I'm trying to say this morning is that there's hope for every one of us. There's hope for the fallen. No matter what you, where you may have gone, what, where you may have hit rock bottom, uh, uh, an empty place where you don't seem to feel that nobody cares for you, that nobody loves you. Just remember, Jesus loves you. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves you. The Lord knows from the, the beginning, from the end, and he's growing us so that our light may shine even brighter. Because I'll tell you what, Peter's light was not shining. There was no light when he was denying Christ three times. But yet it's what he did afterwards where his light shined brilliantly. Amen. So it's not about failing God. It's about what can God do in my life going forward. What is God doing in my life going forward? See, there's, there's many stories in the Bible that give us hope. And this is one of them. This is one that can give us true hope. Because if Peter can fall, any one of us here can fall. And I just want to warn you, we live in a world... That is, that is trying to, to destroy believers, Christians, trying to destroy them. And that's your enemy out there, the prince of this world, the Bible describes him, Satan. He's out to destroy you. But again, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's a promise for each of us here today. So there's no reason to fear. And I'm not trying to say that in this message. There's no reason to fear. But... It's, are you putting all of your trust in Him? Are you really putting all of your trust in Him? And as I close this morning, I have one last final point. Did you know that Peter wrote this account? He actually wrote this account here. See, and I'm talking about in 1 Peter as well, there's many verses in there that describe his weakness. Now, you and I, we, we have a weakness, we fail. Oh, we don't want to put it on blast and let everybody know. We're like, oh no, I'm, let me close that chapter. I don't want you to hear that about what went on in my life. I, I, you know, we hide it. We bury it. God forbid anybody find out about my weaknesses. Oh no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. But Peter, he learned, he learned that I have to, I have to declare what God's done for, for my life. <coughs> I have to declare that this mighty God, what he's done, taking this broken man and fulfilled this great purpose in his life. I have to declare that. That's what Peter was doing. See, once he was restored, once Peter was at that point where now he understood his purpose, he understood why God had called him, 
They couldn't shut him up. They couldn't shut him up. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. The Bible says he he was imprisoned because he wouldn't shut up preaching about Jesus. Excuse me. So the question I want to ask you today is, are you trusting God? Not only in your weakness, but in your strengths. I asked you to think, ponder, well, what are those strengths I may have? What are the things that you've said in your mind, or maybe to others out loud, oh, I would never do that. Are you trusting God in those strengths? Are you trusting God in those areas? Because you may be attacked in those areas. Satan may use your strength against you. If you think you've fallen short this morning, if you feel like you've denied him, a part of you has not been faithful to him, I want to tell you this morning, don't worry, don't despair. God, he loves you. He loves you. And he wants to restore you. He wants to put you back on that place where you can be confident about yourself, where you can, you can let your light shine before all men. And I have to worry about condemnation, about what people may think, what people may say. If you find yourself at that place, I'm here to remind you that God loves you and that He cares for you. He doesn't see you in that place of brokenness. He sees you in that place of restoration. Are you getting that? You getting that? He sees you in a place of restoration. If God can forgive Peter, who denied him three times, he can certainly forgive you. Amen? He can forgive you. Why? Because he loves you. He always has. That's never changed, and it will never change. He loves you today, and he loves you tomorrow.